Okay, you ready for the preaching? Here we go. I got two passages, two passages I want you to turn to. Luke chapter 17, of course, that's where we're going. That's where we've been, and that's where we're going. Luke chapter 17. The other one might take you a little more time. We're talking Old Testament here, people. We're talking the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. So I want to see some of you turn into Daniel right now. Now, I admit I cheated. I have a little thingy right there. And a uh, little sticker takes me right to it. But go to the book of Daniel. You, if, if you hit Psalms in the Old Testament, if you hit Psalms, just keep going to the right, about seven or eight books, and you'll get to Daniel, all right? Um, okay, so as you're turning there, let me just set this up. Does your view of the world... Let, let, me, let me just... Some people are, are like... You ever wonder that big question of life? Why am I even here? Why are we here? Is this world just kind of crazily just going and accomplishing and just doing whatever it wants to do? Is there any plan? Is there any reason? Is there any big picture to this? Is, did this just all of a sudden just happen and, and all of a sudden there were people? And boom, all of a sudden there was cows. And boom, all of a sudden there was chickens and and did it just happen was someone ordering this putting this all together and maybe even more importantly are they still ordering this are they still putting this on well here's the good news the bible declares absolutely there is order to all of this the bible declares that god set these things in order one of the exciting things about this point in history is that all the people in this room that are followers of christ have an opportunity to say to a lost world here's our explanation of who what where when why this is what's going on right here now we're going to even hit this again in september with a, with a series we're going to do when we step away for Luke, from Luke for a couple of weeks. But I want you to know this. The Bible says the world is not a mere accident, not some kind of thing that happened randomly out of nowhere, but that God created the world and that he created it with a purpose. The Bible says history is headed towards a climax. There's a thing that is, is going to happen, that the world isn't simply going to run down due to lack of energy that the world isn't about to explode in some kind of catastrophic explosion. The Bible says history will end only when God has accomplished what he set out to do on this earth. Are you with me? That's what the Bible says. Scott, what does that have to do with our message today? Well, let's knowing this, knowing this, there ought to be two reactions. One reaction is I have great hope because I know it's not up to me. Yeah, I'm going to do things in this life to take care of things, whatever. but here's the deal. God's in control. And beyond that, it ought to be a great word of warning for all of us that if there is an end in sight, if there is an end coming to this world and God says it's time, then I ought to be prepared. Spiritually, I ought to be ready. So, um, so in, in our text in Luke... We're in Daniel right now, but eventually when we get to Luke, Jesus is going to talk about the kingdom of God. And there's a couple things in there. In fact, um, in the small section that we're going to study, Jesus refers to himself with a title called this, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. So the Son of Man. Four times he says the Son of Man. Son of Man. He talks about himself in our, in our text in Luke. So in order to help us understand that, I want to take you to Daniel and let's read it, and then I'll explain further. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. And it says this, In my vision at night I looked, 
And there before me was one like a son of man, that's Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven, that's his glory. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. And he, so, so Daniel's having this vision, okay, keep going, verse 14. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Okay, let's stop there, and you can jump over to Luke now. Don't mind if I do. Um, okay, so when, when it's Christmas time, you know, a lot of times we, we, we study this and think about the kingdom, and um, he's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the prince of peace, you know. I mean, he's going to be the, uh, the one that's setting up his kingdom, his authority. So this, this idea that there is a kingdom and the idea that he's the king, it's not anything new. In fact, you, you and I both know you can't have a kingdom without having a king. And so in our text today, pretty much what Jesus is saying Right here, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I'm the king, you see. I, he's like, I, I'm setting up my kingdom. He's, and to help them see this, you know what he does? He goes all the way back to a prophetic book in the Old Testament that many of them would have known, the book of Daniel. Remember, we, we've studied this already in Luke where uh, Luke would talk about the, the law and the prophets. Daniel was one of those prophets. And so many of them that he's talking to here in our text, getting ready to, I know this is a long introduction, I understand, but stay with me. Um, long introduction, kind of shorter message, I, I promise. Pretty much. But so, so, so Daniel, Daniel prophesied this, and Jesus knew that many who you would be talking to would know that. So that's why he connects all of this together. And so Jesus is coming as a king. He's coming to establish a kingdom that rules over people, times, places, circumstances, and that his kingdom would never end and that it would be nothing but good all the time for its citizens. I just want to say off the top, that's where we're going. We're going to a new heavens and a new earth. Like literally, the earth you see right now, it's going to, God will destroy it all, but he's going to rebuild it to a new heavens and new earth. Scott, that sounds kind of pie in the sky. No, that sounds very biblical. Because you study the Bible, that's exactly what the Bible says. You said, Scott, that the earth is, that, that we're all going to end up at a climax somewhere. Some, that's where we're going to end up. So we understand that. But in our text, Luke chapter 17, in essence, Jesus comes along and he says, the kingdom that we're setting up is going to be my kingdom, that's me. And now let's look at verse 20. Okay, Woo. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Let's get to the text. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, so that he's talking to the Pharisees. We're back to the Pharisees now. Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you, or among you, other versions would say. The kingdom of God is among you. Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after all, uh, off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Okay, so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God first. 
Let's just, let's talk about this. He speaks about the kingdom of God roughly 27 times in the book of Luke alone. The kingdom of God, one theologian, I know you love theologians, don't you? Let me just, I can't even, this guy is such a powerful theologian, I can't even pronounce his first name. But I can tell you his last name is Goldsworthy. Graham Goldsworthy is the best I can do. But this is what he said, I found this as I was studying this, so I thought this was good. The kingdom of God is the people of God in the place of God under the rule of God. Now, uh, we forgot to say one very important piece of information in the back of your seats today. We have returned the pens, we have returned the giving envelopes, and of course there are uh, notes in there. Um, Scott, I thought we weren't doing that. Well, what we found out is that COVID-19 will not last seven days between services in this sanctuary. In fact, we figured out exactly how long they think it does last on a plastic pen, how long it does last on paper, and you're safe. Let me just tell you, you are safe. So those of you at home, those of you at home, you're like, I miss those pens. I'm so glad to have them back. I steal it, and I steal it every week. And so those of you at home, you can grab the notes on our website, pathwaychurchlife.com. You can go there. You can grab them there. Those of you in your seats, you can grab those and feel just very, I'm just, I'm just so at peace at touching these things. And you can grab those and grab that pen and you can take a note. So this might be something you want to write down. Going back to theologian, theologian Goldsworthy. The kingdom of God is the people of God in the place of God under the rule of God. The kingdom of God is the people of God, those who have put their faith in Christ They've been saved in the place of God. So they're following his will, his desires, under the rule of God, driven by the word of God. So the Pharisees are asking, when is your kingdom going to come, Jesus? You get that? I mean, uh, we've talked about this many times, but the Pharisees and even the disciples, remember, they were still thinking, kingdom. They're thinking Jesus has come, Messiah's gonna come. The prophets said in the Old Testament, we believe the kingdom's gonna come, Jesus is gonna come, and the Messiah's gonna come and set up his kingdom like it's gonna be an earthly kingdom. And what Jesus was trying to help them understand is no, it's, in fact, the kingdom is here among you. That's what he says, right? In verse 21, it's within you, it's among you. The kingdom of God is, is right here. It's, a, it's an inward thing. We're not going to have like a kingship and here's the right and the left and a, and a whole uh, 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 knights and different people in this kingdom. And a, no, the kingdom of God is a different animal altogether. It's what Jesus is trying to help them to see. But they're asking, when are you going to set this up? Jesus told them it was not something observable. The kingdom was not as they expected. They couldn't point to it. The reason was because the kingdom of God was in their midst. Their, the king was standing in front of them. He was the one who would usher in his kingdom eventually, yet they didn't recognize him. Now, there's a couple of things that I'm going to point out today that if you don't catch, it's going to be really hard to understand this message. I know, because literally, I've been studying this message almost every day this week <laughs> to make sure that I understood it well enough to present it to you today. But one of the things that you've got to understand is this. Ready? The kingdom of God begins in this life and it's ultimately fulfilled upon the second coming of Christ. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God begins in this life when I take a step to what? To follow Christ. When I take a step to invite Christ to be my Lord, my Savior, 
I'm part of that kingdom. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is a model I use regularly, not so much to pray through uh, word for word, but to, as, a, as a guide in uh, uh, thy kingdom come. When I get to that portion in my prayer time, I'm praying, God, let your kingdom come in a greater way in my life right here, right now. Remind me that I'm not the king of my life. Remind me that I, it's not all about me. It's about you, your will, your desires. Thy kingdom come. You see, so the idea of a kingdom is not so far, far out there. You might get it more than what you realize, okay? And so, so thy kingdom come. And I've stepped into his kingdom the moment I gave my life to Christ. But ultimately, his kingdom is going to ultimately come at the very end, which is why I took some time to redo my handy-dandy little last things chart. Look at the screen as we enjoy the brand new chart here. How about that? Uh, the chart of the, oh, thank you, thank you. Stop, stop. Um, the chart of the last things. Now, I picked this up, I don't know, 10 years ago somewhere, and, um, and I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'm not saying I even agree with everything on it. No, I, pretty much everything on there I agree with. Um, but I, I wanted to, to just set this up, and then we're just gonna talk a couple minutes and we'll be done. There's no way I can teach you this whole thing, but I just wanna, want, want you to know this. This is, this is where we're at doctrinally as a church. Now, I, I know some of you like snooze fast, time for a nap. No, I want you to watch this. All the way back, Jesus' first coming. I added the word Christmas to that. Can you read that? It's kind of small. Why do you say Christmas? Because that's when Jesus came. So the first coming of Christ, of course, we celebrate around Christmas time, right? So that's when he came. And then uh, Jesus' ministry and all that happened in the Gospels, etc. And then Israel was reestablished all the way in 1948. This Acts chapter 1 in this time is when, when the church was born, really? Okay? So it's the church age. So that's all the way to the left. You keep going, what's the first thing, excuse me, what's the second thing? What's the next thing that's going to happen in the history timeline of the last things? What is it? You go up, it's the rapture. It's the rapture of the church. Or, or what I call uh, uh, Jesus' second coming, phase one. Aha. Now, some would disagree with me on that, on that verbiage. That's okay. You're not teaching, I am. But I think in order to really even to understand today's message, by the way, if any of you want this, I can email it to you. It's a JPEG or even a PDF form. Um, but in order, for us, um, in, order, in order for us to understand the passage today, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when I, when I study the second coming, I think of it in two phases. There's the first phase of the second coming where Jesus comes at the rapture, and then there's the second one where, look out, battle of Armageddon, uh, Antichrist, false prophet's gonna be cast into hell, judgment, Satan's gonna be bound, and it's gonna, like, that's when Jesus, uh, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna be ugly. Not for us as believers, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be bad news for those who aren't uh, believers. Let's go back to the rapture, though. So here's, here's the rapture of the church. What is the rapture? Just a reminder. The rapture of the church is the time when Jesus returns. Jesus comes back and takes all of us who have committed our lives to him, following him, put our faith in him. He takes us all to go and be with him. I'll read a scripture at the end of my message, and you'll understand that more. But the Bible says that Jesus comes. His feet don't ever touch the ground. He, he's in the sky, and we go rise to meet him in the air. That's the rapture of the church, the second coming, phase one. And so what I'm talking to you today about is the kingdom of God being established in your heart. And the kingdom of God, when you get saved, you're there. But the ultimate fulfillment of God's kingdom is really in the, at, at the end of the second, second phase. 
Jesus' second coming, where we have the millennial reign of Christ um, for a thousand years. Eventually, we have the eternal state. We have the new heavens, the new earth. That is ultimately where this is completely fulfilled. Now, that might answer a question that you weren't even asking. But I wanted to clarify. In the midst of uh, uh, the rapture of the church, let me just say one more thing and then we'll move on. But the rapture of the church is, are, is for believers. Jesus is literally going to come down in the sky and we're all going to rise to go be with him. And we're going to be with him for seven years. Uh, longer than that, but for those seven years here on earth, let me just tell you, if you happen to be left behind, if you happen to not make it in the rapture, my prayer is that it doesn't happen to anyone in this room. But if you are left behind, it's going to be torture. It's going to be horrible. The first three and a half years are going to be bad, but you ain't seen nothing until you see the second three and a half years. In fact, the rapture of the church, we have no idea when it's going to happen. We have some things that the Bible says here or there. It's like it might look like this, whatever. But we have no idea the timing of that. But mark my words, if you, if you don't make the rapture and you're here during the tribulation, let me just tell you, you can write down on your calendar the day when the rapture happened, when, you're, when, you, when you saw all the other people that followed Christ go to be with Jesus, when, when that event happened, write that day down because three and a half years later, you can see pretty much what's going to happen. And seven years later, you can know what's going to happen. You, you think it's tough. Um, if you get a little frustrated, um, go into a store and it says on there, we, we will not allow you to come in unless you wear a mask. You ain't seen nothing until you go through the tribulation. Because the, the Bible says, for instance, that you aren't going to be able to trade, you aren't going to be able to do commerce, you aren't going to be able to, unless you get that mark of the beast. Now, I know that there's all over Facebook, which is a great place to learn stuff, right? Uh, there's, there's videos and pictures of some dude getting this little chip put underneath his skin and everyone's freaking out about it, whatever. Listen, the mark of the beast isn't coming until the tribulation. Do I think that's the mark of the beast? No. Do I think that could be uh, showing how the technology could work that way? Perhaps. But if you get upset because you walk to a store and they say you can't buy anything unless you have a mask on, you won't be able to buy anything or sell anything or do anything like that in the midst of tribulation unless you get the mark of the beast. And if you get the mark of the beast, for instance, then pretty much you're, you're pretty much selling your soul to the enemy. There's, there's, um, th that's just bad news. It's not gonna, there are those that would, would say, um, there's a word in, 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 the, in the New Testament where it's called the restraining influence. There's debate on what the restraining influence, because the Bible says that restraining influence is gonna be removed during the tribulation. What is the restraining influence, the, the thing restraining people? Is it the church? Many people think it's that. Many people think it's the church is taken out of the world. Can you imagine every Christ following, believing, loving, true, genuine, saved person? I'm not talking person who says, I go to church, I'm a Christian. I'm talking people who are really Bible-believing, committed to following Christ, Christians, taken out of this world. Can you imagine what this world's gonna be like after that? So during those seven, some would say that. Others would say it's the Holy Spirit. Others would say that during those seven years, the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the thing that's here uh, uh, convicting people of sin, whatever, during that tribulation is gonna be taken out. Is that what, I, I don't know what that exact restraining influence is that's gonna be taken out, but I'm just gonna tell you, I, my goal is that no one in this room has to live through that tribulation. My goal, and I, I do believe obviously there will be tribulation saints. There will be some who will be saved. 
what that looks like, how that looks, we can't go into that right now. But my goal is to get you up in the air with me at the rapture of the church, all right? I just want to make that clear. And, and so, um, so I've spent way too much time on this. I could talk more about this. But the idea is um, the kingdom of God is, is right now in the sense that you and I have committed our lives to Christ. And so we're now what? Kingdom. And that means that I'm not a slave. I'm a son. In fact, all of us are sons, even if you're a girl. I mean, because the, the idea is uh, you're a daughter of the king, but son of the king. But the idea is the, the, in, in this culture, when you're a son, that means you get all the inheritance. You get all the good stuff. And every daughter and every son, every person in this room, you have love, joy, peace. You have all that stuff. You've been adopted. You've been grafted into the vine of the lineage of, of Almighty God. I mean, how awesome is that? that that's, that's who we are. We're, we're not... Um, just little peons in the eyes of God when you give your life to Christ. You are a son or a daughter of Almighty God. How awesome is that? You're a part of his kingdom. But yet, I want you to know, there's a, a further kingdom to come. Now let's jump into our, back into our message because in your notes, look in your notes, there's three things we learned about the kingdom from this passage. The first one is this. By the way, I could talk a whole lot more. I, just, I touched on just a couple things that will happen in that tribulation. Um, I could talk about a whole lot more. I have in the past. Maybe someday we will again. Um, but three things we learn about the kingdom of God from this passage. Number one is this. Fill this in. Oh, I even gave you the first letter. Did you see that? Anyone guess it so far? The, the kingdom of God comes patiently. Patiently. In verse uh, 20, verse 21, <laughs> um, the, the, the Pharisees are like, we really want this kingdom. This sounds fantastic, Jesus. If you're really the Messiah, come on, when are you going to set this up? In fact, could we sit at the table with you? Could we be one of your, you know, one of your, your, your people in your kingdom? I mean, there was even what, one of the disciples' moms that was like, hey, Jesus, do you think my sons could sit at your right and your left? I mean, even the disciples were thinking an earthly kingdom. Pharisees are Wednesday. And Jesus like, no, it, it, it's not, it's not, that's not the way it's going to look. And, and in fact, how many of you have ever thought, um, Jesus, just it'd be okay if you just want to come now. <laughs> I mean, have you ever walked through a season in life and you're like, Jesus, I, I'm not suicidal, anything like that, nothing like that, but I'm just telling you, I'm just so broken right now. I'm just so hurt right now. I'm just, you could come back right now. I'm ready for you. But here's, here's, here's scripture for that. First, uh, or second Peter verse three, or chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to what? Come to repentance. How many are glad the rapture didn't happen the day before you got saved? I think we all are. And so the fact of the matter is, um, God's patient. The kingdom of God is patient. And that's why he hasn't come yet. It's because he's still wanting more and more and more people to come and give their life to Christ. And I'm glad for that. And, and um, there's verse 25. I, I want you to look at that real quick. Um, because I want to point something out before we move to the second point. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and I think this is powerful, because basically Jesus is saying, listen, you remember that whole kingdom thing? Uh, you guys, what you disciples need to understand here is, there's no kingdom without the cross. There's no kingdom. You can go out, Pharisees. 
You can go out and do all your little pharisaical things. You can look good and, and say the right things and act the right ways and think you do this and do this and add l- rules on top of your rules so that you keep the rules. You can do all that stuff. But bottom line, listen, that's, if there's no cross in the midst of this kingdom, there's no kingdom. You got to have. Why do you say that? It's because there's so many. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, um, it's the challenge of our generation here in this community, in this area is we feel good about ourselves if we volunteer our time, if we give to something significant, if we do good things, and we think, boy, I think I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? Good for me. Volunteered some time at this place or that place. Oh, I gave to this place or that place. And we feel so good about ourselves. But unless we deal with our sin, we're not a part of the kingdom. Unless we deal with the sin of my life and your life and the fact that every single one of us are, are sinners in need of the grace and the forgiveness of Almighty God, it's just all good works. It's just all good stuff. Apart from Jesus, there is no real kingdom because sin is the problem and it must be dealt with. You've heard me say this before, but uh, I'm, my passion for you is not that this church is full of good families. They're just a good family. Oh, they're just such a good family. They're, they're good people. Oh, they got such good kids. Oh, they're just good kids. No, we want born again, saved, uh, full of the Holy Spirit families. We want, we want whole families that have committed together to follow Christ. That's where we're going. I'm not saying everyone in this, in this church is, is complete. And that's great. That's why you're here. We're wanting to lead you not just to be good people in a good little community in a good little place. We're, we're, we're wanting to see you come alive in Christ and see your, your resurrection, uh, like, like your, your post-Jesus life, just come alive because of where you were before Jesus and then after Jesus. And, and so I, I think we need to understand this. A part of the kingdom, if we want to be a part of the kingdom, we've got to go through Jesus Christ. Note how our text makes a slight turn then, and it starts to talk about the kingdom that is yet to come. As you, as you saw in verse 22, um, Jesus was talking, answering the question to the Pharisees, and then he started talking about the kingdom to come, which is why I pointed out. It's right now, right here. Jesus says it's among us, but it's also there's something yet to come, and Jesus begins to talk about that. Um, let's talk about that in number two. Number two, the kingdom of God comes unexpectedly. Let's hit this real quick. Verse 23 uh, compares it to lightning. In fact, pretty much the rest of our message, we're just going to talk about this in, in essence. We have no idea when it's going to come, but he says the Son of Man is going to come. And uh, when you will long to see, there's coming a day when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. I'm longing for the day when I see Christ. Longing for the day when the rapture of the church happens. When Jesus comes to, to get me. Uh, tomorrow at noon, he's, he's coming back. To, uh, I remember... <laughs> Um, uh, people just guessing, just saying, uh, when I was a kid, you've heard me talk about this before, but there was a book that came out, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88. And when he didn't, what? He wrote the next book, 89 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 89. You know, it's like the whole fool me once, shame on me, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's like, no, nobody knows. Nobody knows when Christ is coming back. But can I just tossing a, a parental thought to you. I'm so glad though. My parents loved me enough. I'll never forget that conversation when that book 
item in 1988. 88 reasons why Christ is coming back. He had it down to almost to a day. And my dad, sitting at the dinner table, I'll never forget it, he said, kids, I don't know if this is true or not. All I know is this. You better be ready. You better be ready. Mom, dad, listen to me. Make your number one passion, your number one goal, is to make sure my kids know the gospel and I'm doing everything I can to point them to the kingdom of God. They've got to choose themselves whether they're going to follow or not. That's not on you. And it would break my heart if any of my kids would ever walk away from Christ. It would break my heart. I still love them, just like you would. But my number one goal as a parent is not just to get them to practice. It's not just to get them on time to here or there or whatever. It's not even just to feed them and clothe them, though that's important. My number one goal is to do everything I can to point them to Jesus. And that's why I love what God's doing right now, particularly in our student ministries with, with Jeremy and Jenna coming on. And uh, what's happening on Wednesday nights, I'm just telling you, do everything you can to get your students here on Wednesday nights to be a part of that. Okay, so, um, uh, but uh, this, okay, so this is, this is where uh, kingdom of God comes unexpectedly. Okay, we got that. Number three, third thing, kingdom of God comes obviously. When that rapture happens, when the Son of Man comes, the rapture happens, um, verse, verse 24, for the Son of Man in his days, Jesus, will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from an end. No one will know, not the guy in 1988. No one else will know. And when he comes, everyone's going to know, though. You don't know when, but you're going to know he's come. It's like that lightning storm when everyone woke up. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. It was like lightning in the backyard. It was amazing. There was a song we used to sing as a kid. Um, uh, it's an old hymn. It, uh, it's taken out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Changed in a twinkling of an eye. The trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised. We'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Just like that. It's going to be quick. In fact, Jesus goes on then to share some illustrations. Just let me tell you how quick it's going to be. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be so quick, it's going to be kind of like Noah. It's going to be kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's look at it. Verse 26. Oh, we're doing good. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. When Jesus returns, people were eating. They were drinking, marrying, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Is there anything sinful listed there? They're getting married. They're just doing regular life. This is what it was like in the days of Noah. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, some of you may not be used uh, or you're not aware of the story of Noah. I shouldn't even say a story because this is history. In fact, I want to, oh, I got to point this out. Listen, Jesus wasn't like, you remember this little fairy tale that Moses came up with? And it was really cool. It's about this guy who, you know, it's kind of like Aesop's fables and, Bullwinkle and others, and, and, and they just, and this guy was like building this ark, and it was, he had animals, and little giraffes, and little berries came in, and it was, and then everyone else died, but him and his family is a great little story, and let me tell you the principle, this wasn't just a great little story, Jesus is using the Old Testament because this literally happened. It wasn't allegorical. There was really someone named Noah that lived and his family that was rescued and saved. I, you just got to get that, understand that. Okay, so Noah, he's using Noah to teach. And, and he's, uh, Noah, uh, as life went on as usual for most people in Noah's day, you can find this in Genesis chapter 6. encourage you in your uh, Bible study time this week to read that, 6 and 7. With the exception of Noah, he'd been building a huge boat for many years 
and everyone else had been eating, drinking, getting married, just having a, a, a fun time, getting married, with no impending danger, life went on as usual, then what? It began to rain for the first time on the earth. Rain came, the floods came, and it pretty much annihilated everything, right? It didn't pretty much, it did. Everyone drowned. And what Jesus was warning here was this false sense of security. Although life will continue as usual until the day of Christ's return, believers must always be ready at a moment's notice. When Christ, the Son of Man, returns, there'll be no second chances. The crime of these people is simply that they ignored the most important issue, and that's being right with God. Let's keep moving. Verse 28. Oh, we're doing good. We're almost done. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So the second example of a sudden thing for Noah, suddenly it began to rain. They all got in the ark, him and his family, and two, uh, even more than that, but the animals, everyone got in there. God shut the door because the thing was so heavy. Hello. And, and, and they were saved. It just came on just like that. And, and so now he's talking about Lot, Sodom. There's a city named uh, Sodom where Lot, uh, not going to take time to say a whole lot more than this, but Lot, this guy named Lot, big, not big Lots, but Lot is the guy's name. Lot lived in Sodom. The problem was Sodom and its sister city, Gomorrah, were very sinful. There's a lot of stuff happening. And so God was like, I'm done with these people. Abraham, even in Old Testament, he uh, what. Well, Okay, I can't go there, but here's the deal. Okay, so Sodom and Gomorrah, evil city, and God's gonna destroy it, and they were wicked. And so destruction came so suddenly that Lot and his family, uh, through some angelic messengers, were, they were rescued, they, they were saved. And this is the point we need, to, we need to see again. Jesus made it clear that judgment will come unexpectedly, without warning, in the middle of what would be just like a routine day. Judgment came and destroyed Sodom. It destroyed Gomorrah. And it's the same thing when the Son of Man comes. On that rapture day, it's going to be just like this. There's not going to be any time to do anything. In fact, um, uh, if you look at verse 30, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who's on the roof of his house with the goods inside should go down to them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. That's real quick. Uh, Lot's wife, um, as they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, that God's told them very specifically that um, to the angel that they weren't supposed to turn around. And I think it was kind of uh, symbolically saying, don't long for the things of your past, your sinful, your yuck past. But uh, of course we know that Lot's wife turned around and she died because of it. And so remember Lot's wife, he says, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Let's just summarize this. First, understand this. People in this day, they, they had roofs that you could climb up on top of, and you were supposed to, all right? Um, some kids like to climb up on their roofs, but they're not supposed to, but they, were, they had a living space up there. And so Jesus is saying, there's gonna be some people who are gonna be up there, and they're gonna be like, oh, wow. It's gonna happen so suddenly it's going to happen so suddenly. He's like, you're not even going to have time to go down the steps and like, hold on, Jesus, be right with you. I got to grab a couple things from the house, a couple pictures, a couple things I want to make sure I take with me. No, it's going to happen so quickly. It's going to be just like that. And, and um, likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. You can't. 
It's gonna happen just like that. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose and whoever loses his life will preserve. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in bed. I mean, just one of the most heartbreaking thoughts I can think of would be a husband and a wife lying in bed asleep and to wake up one morning and your, your spouse isn't just gone, but their clothes are just laying there, but their body's gone because the rapture of the church, the son of man came, Jesus came and they were right and you weren't. They were right with God. That's what I'm saying. They were right with God. Their heart was, their faith was in Christ, but you weren't. How, what a horrible seven years of tribulation that's gonna be. I can't imagine that. And there's gonna be two women who are, um, it says they're, uh, they're grinding grain. And they're just working, hey, so anyhow, Susie, my little one was just about, Susie, Susie, she's gone. Why? Because she was a believer and you weren't. I mean, just imagine that is literally what it's going to be like when the Son of Man comes. It's going to be like that. It's going to be like Noah. On the, it's going to be like Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just like that. It's going to be like someone who's on their roof. They're not going to have time to go down. It's just going to be just like that. And some of you are like, Scott, did you notice you skipped over verse 36? Because they're is no verse 36 in my Bible. And many of yours either. And, and this is, again, Facebook conspiracy. But really what happens is this, is there are more and more and more original, this is originally written in Greek, right? And, um, and there's more and more manuscripts of the, 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 the original uh, uh, books of the Bible. So every once in a while you'll see, and what scholars have come to the conclusion that verse 36, if you have it in your Bible, you'll see it doesn't go against anything that uh, the rest of this passage says it doesn't speak to any major doctrine of the church but what they figured out is it seems like a, a some someone along the way just kind of added that in there and so what they decided is we're going to take that out so anytime you're reading the new testament you're like wait a minute there's a verse mix in there i'm gonna go this is a niv they're full of it i mean <laughs> Not so much. I mean, there's some things maybe the NIV is full of, but, but, but the bottom line is this, is understand, it's okay. There's a reason for it. Um, because I want to finish up here, let me just hit verse 37. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I've studied this passage all week. And um, I, I can say this, is that um, uh, I, I, do, I do believe it has something to do with judgment. Many people think it's a parable that Jesus shared about where there's a dead body, there's there there the vultures will gather. Um, so there was a, a, a kind of a common saying in this time about that. I don't know. Bottom line is, I think Jesus was pointing the fact that there's judgment involved here. Um, but the sudden return of Christ and the sudden end of all chances to change your decision about Christ, there's no doubt about it. The Son of Man's going to come, and. Uh, um, and we've got to decide right now whether we're ready to go and be with him. It's going to be just like that. First Thessalonians, read this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
uh, meaning those who have died, believers who have died, I, I go into this in another message, I can maybe point you to it, but they're gonna rise to meet the Lord as well. And they've fallen asleep, they've died. They're gonna, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will be with the Lord forever. And this is exciting, and this is a wonderful thing. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is something that's meant to encourage one another. Encourage one another. This is, this is where it is. Now, I, I want to I summarize and I want to finalize this message by going back to verse 22. Let's conclude this. Verse 22, once again. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Let me just toss it out to you as a, as a sense of conclusion today. Do you long for the Son of Man's return? I mean, do you long for Jesus to come back? Or does it scare you to death? Some of you, you may even be new to Christ. You're new to faith. Uh, I thought I was saved, but I don't know now. (laughs) How can I know for sure? Well, let me just be very clear with you. You're, You're not saved by anything you've done on your own. There's only one way you can be saved. And that's by freely receiving what Jesus did for you on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he died once and for all for every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit. And you put your faith in Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, and you receive freely the forgiveness. And you will be saved. The Bible says, admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ. Confess your sins. Just lay it all out there. By confessing your sins, you know what you're saying? I'm a sinner. Listen, pride will keep you from confessing that. And pride, there's no place for pride in the kingdom of God. But if you come to the point where you bury your pride and you say, okay, I confess I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive single sin and my heart's desire for you today is that you're there and when you when you see this um, the time is coming when you'll long to see one of the, the, the days of the son of man you'll long to see that rapture you'll long to see the return of Christ the second coming of Christ I long for that and if there's any hesitancy in you then you have an opportunity right here right now today to get that right with the Lord, to get your life right with God. And that's what I'm gonna call you to today as we conclude. In fact, all across this room, would you stand up, everybody, would you stand up? Would you just close your eyes? Even those of you who are watching at home, I just want to encourage you, stay with us, don't go anywhere. Because God might be talking to you as well. I don't want anyone to leave this building or, or shut down their computer iPhone, whatever it is you're watching on. I don't want anyone to leave without having an opportunity to make sure that I'm right with God. And so right now, with everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around, you're just like, Scott, you're right. I've struggled to really admit that I'm a sinner. I've struggled to come to that point. My pride has got the best of me, and I need to make sure I I admit that. Scott, I, I... 
I, I want to do all these good works. I was, I was raised in a church or I was raised in a, in a group of people that they're great people in a sense, they're good people, but I don't think they've ever done what, what you were talking about, Scott, where they dealt with the sin issue of their life. And Scott, I, that's all I've known my whole life. But today I know I need to deal with the sin of my life. And that's you. You know, there are Christians all over this room right now that are praying for you right now that they would like nothing more than to see you completely, 100%, turn your life over to Christ. And if you have any doubt at all about whether you would go to be with the Lord if the rapture were to happen today, this isn't a fear thing. Because listen, if you're just making a decision out of fear, it's only going to last so long. But if you really sense and you're like, man, I want to make a decision to follow Christ today, I want to make sure I'm right with Christ. I want to pray for you in just a moment. But if that's you right now, no one looking around, eyes closed, everybody, close your eyes. Just raise your hand and wave it at me, will you? Say, Scott, pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you for that hand. Who else? I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure I'm ready. Thank you. Two hands. Who else? Three, four. Okay, who else? Five. I, I want to go. If it were to happen today, I just I want to I make sure. I don't want to leave this place without making sure that my heart's right with God. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. I'm just going to give you one more moment. One more moment. Just between you and God and me right now. Okay, everybody, just keep your eyes closed and let's just pray as we conclude. Right now, I want everyone that raised your hand especially, would you just, just right now, just have a conversation with God. Just right now, you're like, Scott, I've never prayed before in my life. I've never done anything like this. Listen, God hears your prayers. The Bible's full of promises. Take my word for it. You can find it later, but it's what the Bible says. So right now, I just want you on your own right now to say, I just admit that I'm a sinner. I admit right now, right here today at Pathway Church, I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. I admit my sin. And I want you to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Just say that. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that God the Father raised him from the dead and that Jesus is alive. And I invite Jesus into my heart, into my life, his kingdom come. I, I'm now underneath him. He, he's my Lord. He's, I follow him. I confess all of my sins. Right now, between you and the Lord, just, just say, God, I just, all my sins, my sinfulness, I humble myself before you and I confess all of them. And I commit from this day on to following you, to serving you. Would you say that? Would you say, I commit from this day on to follow you. I commit to being a part of the kingdom of God until Jesus comes or the day I die and go to be with him anyhow. God, I just, I just pray for every person who raised their hand, young, old, all of us, God. I just pray for every person. Would you strengthen this commitment today? God, I pray that this would just be like a, a, a complete just a, a, re, a renewal, first time, whatever it is, just a, 
just a, like a complete life change for them as they submit themselves to you. God, I, I just, I pray that, that they would know, I pray they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that salvation has come into their heart and their life. The kingdom of God has come into their heart. And God, I pray you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray you'd empower them. I pray you'd baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Give them the strength they need to live out the faith that you're calling them to live. And God, we thank you. We thank you that we can be assured today of our salvation. We thank you that we can know that we are saved if we confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive everyone. If we, if we can um, believe in our heart um, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so God, we confess that with our mouth today. And we thank you for the assurance we have of your salvation. And we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.